You're listening to the best of the TomBernardShow.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> so I'd like to know if I was married to a horror piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> this is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there, and then call us back later. But the key is is that they don't know all their rights, or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean Bryant. Yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast brought to you as always by Brad Shaw and Bryant. Kicking off the best of this week, we had Minnesota's own Craig Muckler, a man of many talents and many successes. Next. Craig Muckler, ladies and gentlemen, 1953, the Masabi Range town of Virginia, Minnesota. He was born with a stutter and a determination to overcome it. Damn it. Are people born with stutters? I didn't even know that, Craig. Is that true, Craig? They're born with stutters? Just me. Just, you're, you're <laughs> only the only 1% of us in the freaking world, and I happen to be, be one of them. Just my luck. So you were... you were Me and Mel Kellis, right? Oh, yeah, but if you sing, you don't have a stutter. It's true. As long as you talk in cadence no. or sing in cadence, no, then you don't true. stutter. Yeah, it's, it's true. true. Well, you don't stutter very much, yeah. Craig. You've been working on it, huh? Well, I have been. In, in, in fact, it was crazy, Tom. I mean, I grew up in Virginia, Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and of all things, um, you know, my high school, my grade school, I was the I was the 1%. No one else. No one else in the freaking place stuttered except for me. And I thought it was a curse. I mean, growing up, I was bullied. And of oh, all, <laughs> I was bullied. And I was held back in school because they thought I was freaking slow. But it was I just thought different from everyone. And right. <laughs> I tell you, Tom, I was influenced by, of all people, Rock Hudson's mother used to live with us every summer at really? my cabin. Really? Yeah. And, and what happened was I would watch movies and I said, hey, I'm going to be just, you know, if, if I'm on the screen or producing a film, I won't stutter. And one year, I was at a Rock Hudson's house. I was 13 years old, and I told Rock because his mother was like my grand, my grandmother, like the grandson he obviously yeah, never sure. had. Yeah, right. And he said, "Craig, you won't. That study will not bother you at all." And so, and sure enough, I kept in touch. He was my biggest influence in my life, and his mom. And years later, I would graduate with a double degree in theater arts journalism, moved to L.A. with a little bit of a stutter, but it didn't bother me. And within 10 years, I produced two of the top cult films in the world. Yep. yep. And, and and I had a talk show, and I stuttered, and it was a number one talk show on Group Duffield. And I, I mean, who would have thought? And I became an influence with many people. I mean, what the hell? I had a stutter. Who gives a shit? Or, I, no, I, no, it's I mean, fine. Who, who, who gives a whatever? Right? I should. That's good. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, that's, I forgot. that's not a problem. No, 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 no. I forgot. I'm not on my show. <laughs> it's not a problem, Craig. I, 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 what I like about it is that you embrace it. If you have something, I don't care if you got, you know, uh, your eyes are crossed, you stutter, you got, you know, one foot's on backwards, whatever. As long as you embrace <laughs> it, people can't harm you. I think it's very no, smart. It's no. very smart to do that. Thank you. That's true. I mean, it, it, it's insane. And through the years, I mean, I mean, it's funny. I have this talk show, right? Craig Muckler's Hollywood Showcase. And, and, and a producer comes up and says, Craig, you're a funny guy. You do improv. <laughs> you you're, have movies of all things, cult films. And you're kind of out there. So he talked me into having my own show. <laughs> In 1985, I have Jill Schollen on my show, right? She was gorgeous, mm-hmm. babes in Toyland, with Bo Svensson. <laughs> Bo Svensson was a friend of mine. I have a number of shows, right? Mm-hmm. And he yeah, comes right. on and says, Craig, <laughs> you know, you can't totally lose your stutter. I said, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I spent a million dollars, therapist, marbles in my mouth, <laughs> needles <laughs> in my face. Right. Are you kidding me? I said, no. Because you have it under control, you, you, you have it under control, right? Yeah, Hello? well, that's it. That's exactly what I'm talking about, Craig. You, you embrace it. You have it under control. You do what you do. I will tell Hello? you. Hello, I lost you there. Uh, Tom. Oh, he anyway, he can't hear me. Apparently, the I'm back. Broken. Oh, can, can you, you hear me now? I'm back. Okay, okay, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, my phone, my phone is stuttering. <laughs> oh God! And you're a smart ass. Did anybody sake. tell you that? Anybody tell you you're a smart ass? <laughs> Craig, one thing. And, I, and uh, so both both Svensson said, "Craig, you don't want to lose your stutter." I said, well, "Why?" I said, "Because it's part of your charm. It's part of why you have an audience." Mm-hmm. So I did embrace it, and you know, and, and I became kind of an influence with people with speech handicaps all over the place when I had a show. And I said, well, you know what? Maybe this is God's plan for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there you go. I will tell you one thing, Craig. You, uh, you're, you what, 66 years old? You sound like you're about 24. Oh, I, didn't, I, thought, that's, I thought he was like in his 20s. <laughs> you do. You sound really well, young. Thank, well, thank you. <laughs> that is and, true. You know, that, you know I, I guess it, it kind of helps me, too. With, I have a TV show coming out. My TV show is coming back. <laughs> Obviously, wonderful. So uh, I don't want to have too much Botox. <laughs> no, that would not <laughs> for be my good. fans. <laughs> that would be good. I understand it completely. I did you? No. <laughs> so you got bullied because you stuttered. Yeah. Yeah. So why I don't see? I mean, I, I'm sure that it's happened to a lot of kids, but I don't understand. I need to bully you because you stutter. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. No, no. I mean, I, I, I mean, and it's true. I was bullied as a kid, even into to junior high. And all, I mean, but what, what I did was, you know, someday I took Rock Hudson's advice. I'm going to make it against all odds. So I started a rock band when I was in ninth grade, mm-hmm. <laughs> Winds of Change, and I took Mel Tillis' advice. <laughs> I started singing in a band. I still stuttered, but the big difference, when I was in 10th grade, we were a popular band, <laughs> I never asked a girl out in my life until some girl asked me out. Oh, see how she great thought that I is. was cute and sang, right? And then she said, Craig, I, you, your stutter is cute. Well, there you go. That's you know what, what I mean? About. Yeah, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Look, Craig, I will tell you, one of the greatest jokes ever written involves a guy who stutters. Uh, and it... it I can tell you the joke if you want to hear it because it's a great joke. Yeah, I love to. And sure. it doesn't—it's not insulting at all. But okay, so there's a faith healer, right? You know, the, right. these ministers—he's a faith healer, and yeah. <laughs> uh, so the faith healer's up on stage. He goes, "We got a couple of young guys going to come up on stage. Come on up, uh, yeah, Billy. Come on up on stage, Billy. Uh, he's got crutches. He can't, you know, walk without crutches. So Billy comes up on stage. Timmy, <laughs> Timmy stutters. Timmy, come up on stage." Uh, and he introduces <laughs> Timmy and Billy, and he goes, okay, both of you go behind that curtain over there. I'm going to call upon yeah. God to, to, to cure both of you. You'll be cured by the time you leave today. So go back behind the curtain. <laughs> you go behind the curtain. Have you heard this joke, Craig? No, no. Good, good. Okay, so they're behind the curtain, 
and a guy starts calling him and beseeching, you know, this, that, and the other thing, calling upon the Lord to, to, uh, to heal both Timmy and Billy. And he goes, Billy, Billy, you're healed now. So take that left crutch and throw it over to, throw it over to curtain. So all of a sudden you see one crutch come flying over the curtain. Goes, Billy, yeah. here it is. You're completely cured. The power of our prayers have cured you. Throw your other crutch over the curtain. Here comes the other crutch flying over the curtain. About a two-second pause, and all of a sudden you hear this big thud. And then there's this silence. And then you hear, Billy fell down. <laughs> it's one of the greatest oh, jokes ever told. <laughs> hey, hey, Tom, I must tell you that, you know, you know after that joke, uh, back in, you know, uh, uh, in 1983, finally, uh, m- my film, which is now now one of the top five cult films in the world of all things, uh, Jackie Vernon started my movie, Love Microwave him. Massacre. Loved him. And it took three years to get it going. Now it's one of the top ever. And, but, but, but like 1985, it was out, it was, and it was already like a cult, a cult film. I get a call from Jackie Vernon. He was like family to me. Loved him. He says, Craig, <laughs> I want you to come down to the improv. You know, you know the improv, famous uh, Bud Freeman's, it had a syndication show on it, right? Yep, absolutely. And so I went down, he says, come on down, I want to introduce you to some people. I go down at 7 o'clock in, in, in the odd, in the... In the stage area, there's only like 20 people. I go to the bar, and there is Jackie Vernon with Bud Freeman. And he introduces me to who? Robin Williams. Oh, God. <laughs> and we're talking, and Robin Williams says, Hey, Craig, I love your film. Uh, Jackie is my, oh, my God, he's <laughs> iconic. Phenomenal. And he says, you have, a, <laughs> you have a stuttering routine. I said, Well, Yeah. <laughs> And then Bud Freeman himself says, Craig, there's no one on the stage. Go up. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So I go up on the stage. There's only 20 people in the audience. It was right in front of me. But Jackie Vernon, Bud Freeman, and freaking <laughs> Robin Williams. So I said, all right. <laughs> there I am. I took a shot of whiskey, had to. And I, I said, yeah, this is my stuttering routine. Look, I'm kind of famous because I did a couple films. But I stutter. So I'm on to tell the truth. And so they have us three contestants and these famous celebrities there. <laughs> and the guy said, uh, number one, what is your name, please? My name is Craig Muckler. Number two, what is your name, please? My name is Craig Muckler. <laughs> number three, what is your name, please? My 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 name is Muckler. I look down and there is Robin Williams busting his gut laughing. You know. Well, see, because you embraced it. It's that's the way to handle these things. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I would see Robin Williams now and then at the Improv, you know, later. So it was it was really fun. You know, and I use my stutter. Even Robin says, God, Jackie said you had a stutter, Craig, but you overcame it. My God, boy, did you? I mean, this comes from Robin Williams, yeah. you know, to get that type of feedback from him was incredible. I can understand you know? that completely. You know, if, you, if you didn't have a stutter, you'd almost sound a little bit like Robin. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Absolutely. So, yeah, no. Craig, what, what, what Crypticon Minneapolis, it's, it's this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is that correct? Right, yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, at, at the airport, at the Hilton Air, uh, Airport, yeah. Hilton, there'll be thousands of people there. In fact, my, believe it or not, my manager is the same manager as Jesse Ventura. So we're both going to be there. I'll be there with Jesse. Oh, Jesse's going to be there at Crypticon? Oh, that's yeah. right. I think Cassie told me that. As, as a guest. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, I could see, he, he's, uh, well, Crypticon. So Crypticon is basically, what what kind of thing is well, it? He was a host for that show. Crypticon, uh, you know, uh, in fact, I've gone to probably 15 of these around, around the country because of my films. <laughs> I usually have gone and, you know, with, with beautiful um, Joe Sholin and, and Chris Smokey, also from Minnesota. And, and I got to tell you, in the last few years, these horror conventions have erupted all over the country. 
And for example, microwave masking now, I have a million fans out there mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're all under the age of 30. All these kids are into the older, I mean, it's new stuff now, but they're into all the Hellraiser movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andy yeah. Robinson's going to be there. Uh, also, I guess, with me, you know, from <laughs> Dirty Harry. And oh, God, he was movies. good. He was so good in Dirty Harry. And these kids are, 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 I mean, there's a rabbit now about all the, there'll be 5,000 people there for us. Yeah, that's know? phenomenal. And Jesse's hosting the Unexplained or something. The Unexplained? Some show that's like stories of unexplained. Can you imagine stuff. Jesse Ventura telling you a scary story? <laughs> I mean, you couldn't, you'd have yeah. to start you know, laughing. He's actually not bad on it. And, and, oh, really? Yeah, and, and and believe it or not, I'll, I'll be interested because my show, my TV show is coming back. Craig Muckler's Hollywood Showcase into ne- next year. In fact, uh, 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 one of your competitors, maybe, but he's a cool guy watch listening right now is Lou Pizarro. You know, Repo Radio. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's actually going to be involved with me on my TV show. Well, that's wonderful. And where's the TV show going to be, and what day does it start? Well, well, we've had. I was in Los Angeles. Doing a, a number of, of episodes, I have a great uh, director now, and, and Andy Watson, local guy here, and Bob Cummings is my co-host. Uh, so it's, we we are hoping to even shoot at an HBO t- type of thing. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yes, or or right. True TV, where where uh, Lou Pizarro had his big show, Operation Repo. So right. It's a combination, you know, variety talk show. You know, I just want to be totally different from. The, the the tonight type shows, right? But they're all the same. No, they are absolutely. You know, they are indeed. Craig, Munkler, and they're all political. Though. Yeah, and of course, I have to have you on too, right? Come on, a TV show on to scare people. All right, you little brats. It'd be phenomenal. I'll come on, oh scare God. everyone. Craig, I got to tell you my favorite and, Jackie Vernon joke of all time because I adored Jackie Vernon, right? Oh, yeah. One of, of course. My, my favorite, he walks on The Tonight Show one night, and he goes, So, Johnny, I'm changing my name. I'm changing my name to Nosmo King. I got it from a no-smoking <laughs> sign. Nosmoking? <laughs> I thought it was one of the great <laughs> King. That's great, man. <laughs> It does sound like a name, <laughs> That's right? That's great. Nosmo, how you no, doing? No, yeah, no. It's great. All right, Craig. I mean, he was so high-witted. Uh, you know, it's amazing. I mean, he became like my, fa- my father. Oh, my God. I mean, phenomenal. He, he, I'd go over at Christmas time, and, and he, he, I tell you, even around the, the, the table at dinner, he, he'd, he'd have, he's so high-witted. These jokes would just fly out oh, God, yes. all the time. Very funny. Very funny. He's the only yeah. guy I ever heard. He walked out on the Ed Sullivan and show and said, "I had a lot of trouble in high school. A couple of girls got me into trouble. <laughs> a couple of girls got him pregnant. Oh, okay. Well, you know. So, Craig, no. when when, you know? uh, when you're back in town, give me a buzz. We'd I'd love to have you back on the show, man. Well, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you know, Tommy. Also, because people are. Ask me, even lose, you know, I have a lot of fans around here, obviously. Yeah. It, it'd be great to come on your morning show sometime, too. Uh, absolutely, Craig. I'd love to have you on the morning uh, show. T- uh, actually, uh, actually, I'm also good friends with Jeff Pazzo. I wouldn't tell anyone that if I were you. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe maybe not. After he retired, I think he and Marianne had to go into hiding, maybe. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. You're absolutely right. Craig, stay in touch, Pally. Thank you for your time today. You bet. Well, I really appreciate this big time. Oh, thanks for coming. Every time you could, I lived in, in L.A. for years. Every time I came back, everyone said you have to listen to the Tom Bernard show, and I did. And you, you are the, one of the best. Period. I've always loved you. Did I ever tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Craig. Well, thanks so much for for having me on. It's, it's an honor. We'll talk again, sir. An honor to have you on. Absolutely, Craig Muckler, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Okay, man. This weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, thanks. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. There's no business like show business like no business I know. That was Craig Muckler on the best of. Coming up next, we had comedian David Huntsberger in studio. There's no people like show people. 
When are you going to Crypticon? <laughs> um, Pat, I think we're going to make an appearance. Dave's doing a panel tomorrow, I believe, at like two something with Doug Bradley, yeah. and then he's out at six o'clock uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, I think Dave's doing his panel at or Eight, his yeah. talk that he does about ghost hunting and the paranormal. Cassie's husband has a has a show on the Travel Channel starting with October third. October third, called the Holzer Files, which they delve into the cases of the famous paranormal investigator Hans Holzer. Who <laughs> I thought it was just like, hey, I got a file tip, you Holzer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hans Holzer. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Holzer out. Hey, Holzer. <laughs> That's very funny. Well, they do a lot of East Coast <laughs> stuff, so I don't know. Uh, but no, <laughs> oh, God, I'm picturing be... Rick, Rick Moranis right in my head. Yeah, I yeah. know, He's right? Got the stocking oh, cap God. on. <laughs> <laughs> no, God. but no, Hans Holzer was kind of like the first paranormal investigator that filmed his stuff. So they had, you know, have footage. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah. he was kind of like the first TV paranormal. Uh, paranormal investigator and they would do documentary mm-hmm. they put in the documentaries and stuff but yeah they're going back to old case files that were never really followed up on because he passed away and actually hans holzer was the la- very last interview he did before he passed away was with dave oh i didn't on know darkness that. radio yeah i didn't know that her husband's got like two radio shows and a tv show three who are eight days three away. now <laughs> well he's got midnight in the desert oh, monday right, through yeah. friday yeah. 11 p.m to 2 a.m central and then he does Beyond the Darkness on Saturday and Sundays. And then he's got True Crime Tuesday. Oh, every that's Tuesday. right. Yeah, every Tuesday. I forgot about that. He's always he's working. He's got the TV show going. And is he TV always show. finding ghosts? Or is <laughs> it all paranormal things? Is it all ghost related or just Oh, it's everything? just UFO, anything anomalous, uh-huh. fringe type stuff. That's what he does. So Interesting. But the show itself is concentrated on ghost hunting and ghosts and spirits and stuff and hauntings mm-hmm. of these uh, places. So. Cool. I never had any of those experiences. Never. Yeah. I must be boring as shit. Well, it's <laughs> weird. That's how I feel. Not even I'm like, ghosts. I'm ready. Come on. Nah, <laughs> well, it's weird. Yeah, like, we're, Just I picture the ghost up. like, you guys seeing this? <laughs> no, I'll I'm pass. not seeing it. Don't make eye contact. No. <laughs> <laughs> get, get, get rebuffed by ghosts. Hey. Uh. Well, the majority of the experience that I've had is at the Palmer House. Oh, you've Center. had experiences? I've had many. I didn't know that. Yeah. Look, I don't get one. I don't. Well, you gotta go <laughs> out. Bring you gotta, out gotta leave the house, Tom. Yes. <laughs> no, you, you know, my, I swear to God, I must be. I could walk into the what's the house? Palmer, Palmer house. house. I literally could hear the ghost go, oh, that prick. <laughs> <laughs> they just oh, go and they go hide. <laughs> yeah. They would, yeah we're not, I'm not coming out for him. We'll, we'll take we'll it. Ta- That'd be a good feeling, though, at least. To go, I heard you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I heard you. Yeah, <laughs> they could kick you in the afterlife. Got all the <laughs> We should take Tom ghost hunting for Halloween. That's I what should. We should. Oh, I oh, should do cool. that. Yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Honest to God. JB, you want to go? No, that's okay. <laughs> Big baby. Being that I would be the first to go. If something oh, yeah. happened. Well, oh, you yeah. attacked a black man? <laughs> hey, that's changing in horror movies and stuff. People are aware of the, <laughs> the stereotype. That would be the greatest, though. You're listening to the whispers back around. They brought a black guy. All <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts are whispering to one another. That'd be phenomenal. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> I mean, it's just like the guy in the red shirt on uh, Star Trek. You know he's... Oh, he's dying. Yeah, he's the first <laughs> yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah, don't be beaming that. down in a red shirt because you're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. Hold on, I gotta go change my shirt yeah, I, gotta change. Yeah, right. I can't beam down god i wish you could beam that'd be great oh yeah where mm-hmm. would you go uh right now go to the grocery store West but Palm. faster <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, i'd go to the grocery store grab some stuff yeah beam that'd, back. Be cool. that'd beam back you know you lose like one two hundredth of your life every time you beam and you went to the grocery store? It was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. Yeah. There was a special on bacon. I had to do it. Yeah. That was all I was to it. I you know, I uh, do you have any interest in that kind of stuff, like the paranormal and the ghosts and all that stuff? Yeah, I have interest. Yeah. I have I mean, I I think I'm more on the skeptical side. Yeah. But um yeah, I'm open to it. I if I, I'm ready if I saw it to like you know, when people have those stories Sometimes when they're rubbing crystals and telling you, you're like, eh. yeah, 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 no, I, I, yeah. But so right. often there are people that are like, I'm not normally one to believe this, but here's what happened, and mm-hmm. I love that story. And mm-hmm. I'm That's called it, like, a skeptical believer. Yeah, that's what Dave is. You know, he doesn't believe everything's paranormal. Right, he tries to right. 
debunk or try and figure out if there's a logical reason for this happening. Mm. So we always go through that kind of stuff, too. But, yeah, the experience that I had, I have no way of explaining them other than they were paranormal. Does it make you feel like the world we live in is totally different, defined by different laws and things like that? Mm -hmm. That's a cool feeling. Honestly, I mean, like, Dave has this theory, too. It's like... Uh, like a time slip type of thing. Like, are who's haunting who? Are we haunting the future? Mm, or it's a little deep. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, if you think deep. about, he's like, I thought be... Dave was a dope. If you think Dave's about it, friend, you have three kids sitting on a couch. All of a sudden, they see this ghost figure of an old lady walking through the living room. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you reverse it, you know, let's say she has an experience where yeah, she sees three ki- three teenagers sitting on her it's couch. It's a dimensional yeah. thing. That's yeah, true. so it's It'd like be a dimensional thing. It's that's an, a good that. point. It's an unknown thing. I like the unknown. I like to kind of delve into that kind of stuff and go down that rabbit hole. So it's fun. I don't believe everything. Right. You know, especially. But Dave doesn't either, though, does he? No, he's a yeah, skeptical so. believer. Those are fun things to think about, though. Like yeah, you, yeah. If you watch are. Westworld with kind of the AI component or the virtual reality yeah. aspect, mm-hmm. and if we were in this world. World where they rewrote the code and like cleaned it out. Oh, I thought we cleaned that old lady out of there. Now mm-hmm. some residual codes. Yeah. And now we're seeing her like, or at least a hologram a of her kind of come at. down. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. It absolutely is. No, well, different... that's basically genetics. I mean, there's shadows of people who lived tens of thousands of years ago. You know, their DNA is part of someone's DNA, and mm-hmm. that there's some specific behavior that a person now has that started because of you know that person. Hmm. Yeah. of years ago. That's why I'm so forward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you what would make you? a fun ghost, Tom. I'd make a fun ghost? Yes. Well, you yeah. wish I was dead? Is that the idea? No, no, no. God, I wish you were dead. That's like, great, thanks. No. That's a great dead. t-shirt. I wish you were a ghost. <laughs> I wish you were a ghost. In other words, I wish you were dead. But other than that, I feel really good about it. Everything was going really well. When I was four, my gra- my great grandmother died. She was 104 years old. She was a little tiny woman, and and I did see her at the end of my bed, but I didn't know she was dead. Oh, so, damn! Because she lived up north or whatever. So I was in bed, and she was standing at the end of my bed. You know, I woke up and I saw her there, and she didn't really say anything. She was looking at me, and then I went back to sleep, and then I woke up the next morning and found out she was dead. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that was. Well, that's actually very common for family. Oh, it is? Especially for family members. Right after a passing, a lot of times they'll say, like, in a dream or something, their family member that passed away will come and visit with them and just to yeah. let them know they're okay type of thing. Oh, just yeah. before I go, I want to really <laughs> scare Tommy. He's only four years old. Let's scare the piss out of him. But you think about it, her impression that could have been, a little bastard just went back to sleep. What, am I boring? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God, what the hell is that? Just dozes off. I when, I, when I ghost hunt, I just treat the ghosts as if they're living people because they were people. Right. Well, you watch these shows, they ask the same questions. Who are you? Yeah. How many are here? Know. You know. And Can you imagine being a ghost and hearing the same damn questions? So what do you ask? Over? Like, do you like soup? Yeah. yeah like, well, I just ask basic, basic questions, you yeah. know. You know, I'm not like, how old are you? And I, I just talk to them, ask questions like I'm meeting somebody for the first time. What do you call what do you call those people again that t- like can read your mind? I mean, they're not mind readers. They psychics. Have some... Psychic. Yeah, the psychic. I like it when they go, uh, your mother. Yes, I can see your mother. I'm getting the name Phyllis. No, her name's Pauline. Yeah, it starts with a P. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's called cold yeah. reading. Yeah. And oh, it's that's called, yeah. Uh, they're very yeah, good at that, I guess. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing how people, when they're getting a reading done like that and they're getting a cold reading, they don't realize how much information they're giving the psychic. And then they're like, oh my God, they were so spot on. It's like, yeah. do you realize what you told them? You already told And your responses. <laughs> yeah. cold, but that's it? A, that, you know, it's like it's like a, an illusion. Like it's magic. Yeah, I'm a magician watching, trick. I will say, I was watching Forensic Files a while ago. I'm real into that. I love Forensic Files. Because they always that. get them. People always go like, oh, you're such a creep. You watch that. Like, it's a show you know going into they're going to catch the person. And justice yeah. is all. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> but one of them, and they just like very briefly touch on it. And then at the end, they kind of put a little disclaimer. Like, no one knew how this happened. They're, the case is dead. It's a cold cold case. And then a psychic out of nowhere goes, I think you should dig over here. 
And then there was no way they could tie the psychic in any way to having anything to do with any of the people involved. Mm-hmm. They went and dug and found remains, really? found a DNA sample, caught the person. It couldn't couldn't in any way tie the psychic to mm-hmm. press any level of charges. They just put a disclaimer at the end. No one could ever explain how this person knew. And I was like, you don't see that a lot. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. So how, I, do they think it, how does that happen? It's some, I, I believe some people are truly psychic. And I mean, there are obviously, there's a ton of scammers out there. But yeah, there are a ton of scammers, like, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I know a couple that are really psychic and they're really good at what they do. And mediumship, too. And mediumship and psychic are kind of the same thing, but yet separate. Like when you're talking to a psychic, you keep your hand on your purse. Yeah, I would. Because a lot of them are just. I just plug my ears. Not getting my thoughts. This is where they leak out. Psychics, okay, if you want to put them in categories, psychics are supposed to tell you your future and insight on your life. And mediums are ones that can contact the other side for you. But usually they put the two together. My mom and my sister are both very into Monica the medium. And it's embarrassing to me. To <laughs> I don't know what she looks like. I want to say she has dark hair. Are you no, the with her? blonde one, that's uh, Teresa something or Teresa other. Something. The Long Island Medium. Yeah, yeah, right. That yeah, one, yeah. Is it like Teresa Caputo or something Some, like yeah, that? Typical Dago. <laughs> <laughs> Ty Cobb reference. <laughs> Ty Cobb, there you go. Right there. Very good, David. Very, very good. Ty Cobb reference. God, you got to see that movie. Yeah. It's uh, First of all, Tommy Lee Jones is phenomenal. It's just called Ty Cobb? It's just called, I think it's just called Cobb. Yeah, okay. it's called Cobb. It's just called it. Cobb. And Tommy Lee was... Perfect for that role because <laughs> he's kind because of he's a, a brick. That's yeah. Right. So we're down in a uh, down in West Palm uh, a couple of years ago, and he he lives down there with and his wife is uh, Japanese, so they always go to this one sushi place. It's really really good. And he's sitting over in the corner with his wife, and this about fifteen year old boy is all excited because he sees Ty you know Ty Cop. He sees Tommy Lee Jones sitting over there as he walks up to the table. Tommy, he's about. Five feet away, and Tommy Lee Jones looks at me and goes, "Yeah, I know you love my movies." Oof. Like, oh, come on, man! Really? It's a fifteen-year-old kid. Yeah. What are you doing? And I haven't cared much for him ever since. Then. I worked at this Western store in Reno, Nevada. Um, the best D Bar M. If you're in town, go and stop where the Cowboys shop. Commercial down. D Bar M is an institution. It's fantastic. But they told me the story. And this is before I worked there. But they told me the story where like. One day, you know, people are kind of filtering in and out, but it's slow. It's the summer, and uh, a guy keeps coming in who's got, like, an earpiece, almost like a CIA guy. Oh, yeah. And he looks around the store, and he'll just hang out for a bit, and he just waited until there was no one in the store, and then he disappeared. And then he came back in the store, like, opening the door and looking around, and then Tommy Lee Jones came in, and then everyone was kind of like, <gasps> and then he refused to talk to anyone. I know. It's it, unbelievable. It was just so weird. Like, you can't go in and mingle with anyone, and even the staff. Like, can I help you? He would just blatantly ignore them, walk right past them. i got to be honest with you. He did that to me. I'd be going, hey, nice complexion. <laughs> take a shot at him, right? Hi, I'm a, here on behalf of Clearasil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cassie, do you have that picture I was talking to David yesterday about the Dennis Hoff picture? Oh, I'll look it up. If you oh, could find God, what did I they will do still never forget. I, I don't know where they even got the damn picture because I don't look anything like him. <laughs> but I'm going to I didn't know you owned a horror house. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> well, that one picture of you... Yeah, everyone kept saying it was the one angle. Yeah, just the so it was one, like, for yeah. some reason. It was, he's wearing like an HBO hat or something, didn't he? Because I think they were doing the dream, what the hell's the name of it, the horror house? Yeah, thing. was it, bun- I thought it was just Bunny Ranch. Bunny Ranch, I think it was a Bunny Ranch. Yeah. I was like, horror house. <laughs> That's not like my grandfather now. Got <laughs> horror house down the block. I'm like, okay, grandpa, whatever. Yeah, I'll find a picture okay, of Okay, yeah, if you could find it, I want to show it to David because I don't look anything like him except for that one picture. It's weird that the Bunny Ranch took over because growing up in Reno, the Mustang Ranch oh, Mustang. was synonymous oh, yeah. forever. Absolutely. Then, so they were like this little upstart, and they slowly overtook the Mustang Ranch. But everyone, when I was a kid, was so familiar with the Mustang Ranch that one time I was at a gas station. I'm 16, barely driving, and this dude showed up in a convertible white Mercedes, and he's also wearing white like Miami Vice gear, oh. and he's clearly a tourist, a lot of chains and stuff. And he gets out and goes, "Hey man, do you know where the Mustang Ranch is?" And I was like, why would you ask me? I'm 16. Also, it's that way. <laughs> Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast.
Take me to the bunny ranch. People dying. Kill me in the packing house. That was David Huntsberger on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the. All the way back to episode 565 with R.L. Akers talking about the science behind science fiction. Kiss, two kiss, how you make it look like that? Do me dog. R.L. Akers with us. How you doing, R.L.? Doing pretty good. I'm glad to hear it. R.L. Akers, author of Prometheus Rebound and Prometheus Revealed, science fiction fans. Lining up to see. Now, did, RL, do you think Interstellar is too long? <laughs> uh, I love the first hour of the movie. Uh, <laughs> there's my so answer. Yes. Maybe there, I should just leave it at that. There's my answer. <laughs> I, and that's the only criticism I've heard of the movie, that it's too long. People like it. But now RL is here to talk about uh Science being part of science fiction, commonplace misconceptions. This is going to be fascinating, I think, R.L., to talk to you about these misconceptions that Hollywood has perpetrated in our favorite movies. Like, is there one that really annoys you? Uh, you know, the funny thing is that um, the, the one that I, I think is embodies some of the worst uh, misconceptions and, and reinforces them. Uh, is actually one that doesn't bother me at all because I don't think they're really trying. I mean, they, they, uh, and that's Star Wars. I mean, I absolutely love Star Wars, love right. Star Wars movies, the originals more so than the prequels. But I do like the prequels. Um, but you see a lot of the misconceptions reinforced there. Uh, but it's more like fantasy in space. You see some of that same stuff occur in other movies, and you know where the movie wants you to take it, so take it a little more seriously, and, and that gets more frustrating. Um, but I mean, you know, examples. If, if you're interested, in, uh, oh, we're very. I, I love this stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, visible laser beams in space, and uh, one of the classic ones is just this idea of sound transmitting through space. You know, and and you know, we love our and we love. You know, we we want to we want to feel like we're there. And the, the problem is that space is such an unnatural. I mean, we were not designed to live in space. You know, and so when you see something happening in outer space, in vacuum, ships moving around, you expect them to make noises because that's what things do when they yeah, come through air. Yeah, that's a good point. But they don't do that in space. They don't make any noise at all because there's nothing to rebound off. There are no waves. Yep, no air for sound to travel through. So right. I think a lot of times, you know, movie makers go for that effect that they think people will appreciate and enjoy rather than what's truly accurate if they even give it that much thought i think you know a lot of people obviously don't think don't think that far no i so in the star trek enterprise docks onto the big state station there's no sound well you would probably hear that sound passing through your ship because you're impacting something else right so that that would resound through the ship and through okay. the air in the ship um but you know, if you zip past another another spaceship and you don't actually hit it, or or you know what I'm saying, there's no actual physical contact. Then no, you're not going to hear anything from that near miss the way you would if you know the ambulance speeds by you, uh, broadcasting sound and just barely misses you. Know you on the interstate. You know you'd hear the whoosh, you'd hear the the sound changes as it passes by you, but not out in space. No. So the, so the Sarah Bullock, Sandra Bullock one, that was pretty more... Gravity. That was gravity. That was more accurate then. <laughs> you know, somebody else asked me about that movie just yesterday. I need to go see that. When that oh. movie came out, I was finishing up uh, Prometheus Revealed, and there was so much... I, I could just see from the trailers, there would be so much similarity between certain aspects of the story. I didn't want to be influenced, you know. Oh, okay. So I, now that that's done, I need to go see that. Now, I will tell you this, R.L. Um, as a little child... I went to see a movie called Fantastic Voyage. And while they don't put, they shrink people down in a spaceship and inject them into someone's bloodstream, it's, that was pretty, I mean, what was that, 40 some years ago? Yeah, man, at least. Bots. Fantastic Voyage was out, and, and they're getting pretty close, not again with the human being part of it, but right. they, the little nanobots and all mm-hmm. the rest of it, uh, that was a pretty good call for 45 years ago or whenever it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and neat too that you mentioned that because 
because I think one of the common misconceptions about science fiction that it, is that it deals primarily with space and aliens. Mm-hmm. And and I say no. I mean, in my case, yes. But I mean, there's so many great stories out there that go far beyond just space or aliens. I mean, this would definitely be science fiction as well. Yeah, I mean, you you, you look back at the great writers. You included, of course, R.L. Let's not kid ourselves. But uh, science fiction is, it has to be done well because there there are a lot of bad science fiction writers. And I think the genre, you have to be, first of all, don't you think that you have to be a pretty damn intelligent person to even write science fiction in the first place? Now, that is a dangerous question. <laughs> yeah. Of course it does. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You have to know where to find your information. You have to be able to research. You have to know who to ask. Uh, and I think more importantly, you have to want to. You have to want to find out how it would actually work in the real world, so to speak, in the real universe, if you will. Um, and, and for me, that's I, it just has to, it has to fit. The facts have to fit. Uh, it has to be a plausible story, both in terms of the science and in terms of how the humans act, you know, the, the way people act and react within the story. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. And that's why some people are, are, are so talented, do it so well, because it, it's a lot of hard work, isn't it? No, it's, it is a lot of research, absolutely. And then making it fit, and then making it sound natural. You know, you, you want to lay out the facts so that so that you're creating a situation that seems possible to, do, to the reader, but you can't do it in such a way that you're boring them to death with details. Now, I, I want to change the direction of the, the interview just one quick minute. Uh, I read a story on the KQRS Morning Show this morning about, uh, I think in 2024, they're going to send a spaceship to Mars. People are paying a quarter of a million dollars for a seat, and it's a suicide mission because they're never coming back. Do you believe that'll actually happen? Well, I mean, for years, for years, I should say for decades, you know, these space tourism uh, companies have been selling Mm -hmm. uh, seats. At exorbitant sums, I mean, I've heard as much, you know everything from hundreds of thousands to a million dollars. That's more for you know the space tourism, just a trip up and back, or to the moon and back. Mm-hmm. Um, and and people have been paying that speculatively. You know, it's it's just it's it's upfront capital for these companies to try to get up and running. Um, you know, most of them will never get their money back. Maybe some of them will get, or will not, nobody will get their money back. Maybe some of them will actually get their trip someday. Uh, a lot of them won't. But, you know, I mean, the trip to Mars, who knows? I mean, I, I can believe that people would be willing to do that because what an opportunity. Um, but you can't you tell know, anyone. Especially. <laughs> That's the problem. You can't tell anyone what. Well, you, you can't tell anyone that you made it because, you'll, you know, you're just going to well, be on Mars. <laughs> well, you, I mean, I, I don't know anything about this particular opportunity. I mean, oh, it just, the yeah. To, yeah, the story was just released today, as a matter of fact. Maybe it's going to cost them. Terminal going to cost them ten billion dollars oh. to do it. That's what they're saying. Ten billion dollars to get that done. Ugh. But I, I just uh, I, was, I wanted to ask your opinion to that because I don't really understand the hey this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, well you're going to die because you're never coming back. Well, apparently the idea isn't just to go there and die. It's to actually colonize <laughs> Mars. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. You don't. We don't know. Well, not in the next twenty five years or. 15, I guess it's the next uh, We've got the technology to colonize small parts of planets. We just, right. it's a lot of money is the problem. You know, when the curious, do, do you follow Twitter at all, RL? Uh, I'm trying to improve in that area. Now, well, a lot of us are. I understand <laughs> that. There's a, uh, there's a Twitter account called uh, GS Elevator. Gold, things supposedly that have been set in Goldman Sachs Elevator in New York City. Right. Oh, okay. So when the when Curiosity landed on Mars, somebody tweeted supposedly from Goldman Sachs. Somebody tweeted, "I saw the Curiosity pictures. Mars looks like a shithole." But <laughs> 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 what an opportunity for a story, though. Yeah, yeah. a great opportunity. We can talk about it here for five minutes, but I mean that right there. You know whether it happens in reality or not. That is a book right there. Not absolutely, and it, you know, as as time goes on, uh, it's going to get better and better and better. Better. Uh, we uh, we talk about artificial intelligence once in a while on on the Tom Bernard Show here. It is pretty fascinating that that science and it's it's science fact now that there is a reason for great. Uh, for great fear if we don't watch what we're doing with artificial intelligence. Don't you agree? 
Yes, but I think it depends on your definition of artificial intelligence. Okay. And I'm no, I'm no expert in that field, but I did take, um, you know, it's an undergraduate level course. I'm a computer science guy from, mm-hmm. from undergrad. And one of the things I was blown away just studying that and, and trying to do some of my own, you know, real basic work in that class was just how stunningly difficult the, the, the idea is of creating sentient intelligence artificially. Right. Um, I mean, we, we as human beings, our brains are incredible. We are capable of such incredible intuitive leaps in logic that we can't even explain why we jump to certain conclusions, but we're right. We're able to do that. But if we can't even explain how our brains do, do what they do, how can we quantify that and encode that into an artificial device? Uh, I don't think we can. Now, we can create some incredible what are called expert systems that are that are uh, like idiosavants, basically, that are able to do incredible things in a very, very, very uh, specific area of you know of computation. Um, and absolutely, as a as a programmer, I can tell you, <laughs> it is you can you know human beings make mistakes. They program computers to do things that can cause serious issues. So yes, that's the kind of thing yeah. I would be afraid of. As we give computers more and more power, but this idea of of the Skynet from the Terminator movies or anything that right. and sets out to destroy us, that I have a harder time envisioning at at any point in our future. Well, wouldn't computers see everything, including human beings, as data? Again, I, it presupposes this idea of, of a sentient computer That's true. That, is, yeah. that is aware of itself, and I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time picturing that. I understand. When, at what age did you start writing? Oh, gosh. Um, just for fun, I would say probably in my high school years, you know, a couple of those creative writing projects, but it never became... You know, a goal to write something lengthier until probably college or right after college. What was the first thought? Uh, the duology, Prometheus Rebound and Prometheus Revealed. Do you remember the first thought? You said, "Hey, wait a minute. Here's a book. Here's two books, actually." Uh, do you remember what that thought was? Uh, I do. <laughs> I do remember one specific uh, day sitting in the bathtub when an idea came to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you were in the bathtub. <laughs> Hey, whatever works. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was, wow, wouldn't it be weird if this, and I can't tell you what that is because no. it's really the twist, the twist at the final end of the story, but uh, ultimately, I mean, there were, uh, that, that story, and it's a single story that mm-hmm. is split into two volumes, but right. that story came from, or, or came out of, evolved from three different stories um, that I had worked on or played with previously, and I thought, you know, I can fit all of these concepts into one story and give it some more depth, give it some more complexity. Um, so, yeah. It's wonderful reading, wonderful stuff. Uh, you know, I I grew up on Philip K. Dick and, you know, you get on the list mm-hmm. of people. It's it's wonderful. And the the only time it is wonderful, the exact thing that you just said, that twist, if you can't figure it out, it makes science fiction fantastic. If you can figure out what the twist is, that's not very good writing, <laughs> you know. You know, I'm I'm of the opinion that there's a balance in there. I, as a reader, I want to figure it out. Yeah, um, yeah. But so I, I, one of the things that I did is I deliberately put in three different twists, and I found that a lot of of my readers that are being careful about the reading, not just sipping through, but they're reading carefully, they'll figure one of them out. And it's not the same one. For one person, it's this. For another person, it's that. So they figure that out, and they get that sense of, of, of anticipation and then, and then excitement when they realize that satisfaction. They realize, hey, I figured it out. But there's still the sense of, of, of surprise mm-hmm. when there's more to it than that. So, yeah, I think there's a balance there. I will tell you this, and I hope this is not one of your favorites. I kind of doubt that it would be. But just in case, uh, I just a little forewarning that... Uh, the the final well one of the final lines in a movie I was watching I, I almost never watched science fiction again because if I ever hear the line Zoiland Green is people again <laughs> you remember that moment 
I'm not even sure what you just said. Charlton Heston was in Soylent Green, a movie called Soylent Green. Oh. And at the end of the movie, he goes, Soylent Green is people. <laughs> oh, it was just, it was just terrible. But, you know, what the hell. So, uh, you know, we love your work. I, I love brilliant writing. And I do know how hard you work, and I wanted to point that out to people. To do what R.L. Akers does is not easy. It takes a lot of work. You have to stay with it. And, and how many times, you know, I suppose it varies from, from writer to writer, how many times in a story do you sit there and say, uh, this is just not working, i, I got to start over, I, I, you know, it's just, and then the next day you go, no, it is working, everything's fine. Does that happen to you? Uh, I don't know that that specific thought ever passes through my head, but this particular project was five years in the writing. Five years. And I think what would happen is I would, do, I would get discouraged sometimes, and I'd go a month without touching it. Oh, okay. Um and then come back. I'm like, no, I'm excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this. I'm going to work out the problems. You know, I'm going to rework this and rewrite that chapter. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, there is definitely discouragement at times. And it, it's a fascinating. Vince Flynn, I don't know if you knew Vince's writing at all. He was kind of an espionage writer. Grew up in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Unfortunately, passed away a couple of years ago. I had 15 international bestsellers, but I used to watch him work, and it was just—it was amazing. The the research and the a lot of guys like in his business, he had to travel everywhere to the Middle East and and Europe and all around America. Spent a lot of time in D.C. just to make sure he had the facts right. Because it would ruin the story for him. If all these facts weren't correct, it would ruin it for him. Yes. Got and, you know, I've said, I've said before that, that I cannot imagine, even 20 years ago, how authors wrote. Because they because they would have to do what you just said. Either they'd have to spend a lot of time in a library and still not get a hold of half the right. they needed, or they'd need to travel the world. Now, I, I just feel so blessed to have the Internet available to me and Wikipedia to get me started. And then I know who to ask what questions, things from there. Yeah, the Internet's really changed the game. No doubt about it. It's A-K-E-R-S, R-L-A-K-E-R-S dot com, or at R-L underscore Acres on Twitter. Uh, Prometheus Rebound and Prometheus Revealed. Great having you on, R-L. Uh, R-L is really, really nice talking to you. Well, I appreciate it. I've enjoyed this chat. Thank you, sir. R-L Acres. I, I, I love guys like him. magic number is 219 while the twins only have like 16 15 something like that left good luck to them and good luck to all of you on this wonderful episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by bradshaw and bryant great clips this week craig muckler david huntsberger and rl acres Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.